1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading verse number 16. I really could read beginning with verse 11 or verse number 6, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to pull from verse 16, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And that scripture reads simply this, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, listen to this, for in doing this, what? What is this that he's talking about? Taking heed unto thyself. For in doing this, listen, thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. What a powerful powerful message take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine notice he didn't twist that change that around he didn't say take heed unto the doctrine and to thyself because it doesn't matter what you believe people can't hear what you're saying for what you're living and so it doesn't matter if you believe one God, tongue talk like a man from another world. If you don't have a handle on yourself, did you hear me? If you don't have a handle on yourself, it doesn't matter. But if you can get that, something powerful can happen not only in your life, but in the lives of people around you. The influence and the effect that takes place is unbelievable. And everybody said amen. God bless you. My subject this morning is save yourselves. You may be seated. I'm continually amazed when I read the Word of God at just how much God wants us to succeed in life. I grew up in a much sterner age and I heard a lot of preaching about eternity. I grew up uh, in a church where at least once a month our pastor preached about the coming of the Lord and he preached about eternity and he preached about hell and he preached about sin and all of those things. And as a young person and as a child, I grew up with a little bit of a warped uh, idea of how God looks at me and relates to me. And I'm not accusing the pastor. I, I think we need more preaching like that. But it was my own perception that for some reason, I, like many others, kind of viewed God as this authoritarian figure that stands over the balcony of heaven with a lightning bolt in one hand and a rod in the other and just dares me to step out of line and he's going to zap me. And as a child, I grew up, as you can imagine, with a lot of fear, a lot of things in my own life that I did not uh, know how to deal with properly. And so I grew up with a certain amount of fear. And needless to say, when I began to explore the Scripture for myself, and I began to look into the Word of God, 
I was amazed at how often God spoke to me and to mankind in ways of tenderness and mercy and grace and goodness and love and patience and long-suffering and and all of those things. And I was overwhelmed by the one fact that God wants me to succeed in life. Amen. It is the Father's good pleasure, he said, to give you the kingdom. Now, I don't know how else to interpret that than to understand that God wants to bless my life. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be a millionaire or I'm going to drive a Rolls Royce or live in a mansion. But there is a blessing that can come upon my life because of the sheer goodness of God toward me that is astonishing and amazing. And the Bible is full of it. And He is constantly giving us bits of wisdom concerning life that if you and I take them and we digest them and we become part of them and they become part of us, they will actually lead us to a blessed life. Paul writing to the young Timothy, writing as a father to a son, gave great encouragement to him. It is obvious from what we read about Timothy that he must have dealt with an inferiority complex of some kind. And very likely he struggled with a sense of self-worth and self-need. And and, uh, he looked at himself. Uh, in trepidation and fear because Paul writing in the second book reminded him that God hath not given you the spirit of fear but of love and peace and a sound mind. And he reestablished a principle with Timothy that God has you where he wants you and God wants to bless you. And so in the writings here in First Timothy, Paul is giving some personal advice And if you begin with verse number 6, you can see the personal tone that the word takes. He said, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, then then thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. And then he goes into a long list of encouragements that were spent to... Uh, encourage Timothy and remind him. He said, Refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For godly exercise profiteth little, but godliness profiteth unto all things. And then he goes on to remind him that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. And then he said in verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. And he speaks to him of all the things that he should be. And he comes to the end of his thought, and he reminds Timothy of the most important factor in what I'm trying to get through to you, and that is yourself. He said, It is important, Timothy, That you do all of those things. Don't let anybody despise your youth. Be an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. 
and don't neglect the doctrine and read and study and all that. But he said, if you do all of this and you miss what I'm about to tell you, you're going to miss everything because all of it hinges on you personally. Your response to what God is trying to say and do and bring into your life and his advice to Timothy was that I can tell you how to have life and that more abundantly. I'm going to tell you how to live more effectively. And I'm going to give you some advice that if you will heed it, you will profit by it. And not only will you profit by it, but others around you will be a benefactor of that overflow of blessing that comes from your life. Can you imagine living in such a way that your life actually spilled over into other people's lives and it was a good thing? Now, we got a lot of things spilling over that are toxic, but could you imagine living a life that is in such harmony and in such order with God's word and God's principle that what comes out of you blesses everybody that's around you. That you not only save yourself, but you save those that hear you. You save those that you have an influence over. You see, my subject almost sounds sacrilegious. Save yourself. Brother Hughes, did you drink something this morning? Did, did you take something? How, how arrogant that sounds. Save myself. Only God can save. Only God can forgive sin. Only God can redeem the unrighteous. And you are right on every point that you say. But the bottom line of it all is it doesn't matter what he did. It doesn't matter how much blood he spilt. It doesn't matter how much mercy he has. It doesn't matter how far his grace will reach. If I cannot get a grip on myself, none of the things that God wants to do in my life will benefit me or bless my life. And so Paul's advice was, take heed unto thyself. He indicates that his salvation is going to be affected and even influenced by the personal decisions that he makes in his life. Now the implications of this particular passage are astounding. He said by so doing, by taking heed to thyself and taking heed to the doctrine, you are going to save yourself as well as others. Now, what does that phrase, take heed, mean? What, what is he saying to young Timothy that is so critical that if he does this, he is going to save himself and influence others around him? And he's simply saying in our modern vernacular, you need to pay attention to yourself. You need to pay attention. Everybody say that with me. Pay attention to yourself. That's what take heed means in its simplest form. You've got to wake up and realize that you're where you are, not because somebody else did something to you or somebody else sold you out or somebody else lied to you or tricked you, but you and I are where we are today because of ourselves and somebody said amen 
We're here because of what we have done, the choices that we have made, and the direction that we have taken. And he said, pay attention to yourself. And if you will do that, it will result in salvation of your soul. It will be worth everything for you to do that because it will ultimately lead to your salvation. By doing this, you save yourself and those that hear you. Save yourself from what? Not from sin because I'm not God and I cannot save myself from sin. I cannot save myself from hell. I cannot save myself from my old life. What I can save myself from is a lot of pain and a lot of heartache and a lot of misery and a lot of regret and a lot of remorse if I will just take heed unto myself. If I will just pay attention to myself. You see, the blood of Jesus is powerful. It can wash away any sin stain, any sin stain, any sin stain. It can save to the uttermost, and somebody said to the guttermost. But it cannot, listen to me, the blood of Jesus cannot save me from myself. It cannot save me from myself. And so Paul's advice to Timothy was, pay attention to yourself. Now evidently, evidently, my greatest enemy is not the devil. My greatest enemy is myself. My brother has often said it and I echo him. We don't need a devil to be bad. We just be ourselves and be bad. We all have the nature. We all have that propensity. We all have that bent in us. And it doesn't matter what the blood of Jesus was intended to do or what it is capable of doing. There is something that I have to do myself and that is pay attention. Because it doesn't matter what kind of rules that God sets in this work. It doesn't matter what kind of things God says. If you do, you'll be blessed. If I don't do them, I'm not going to be blessed. But listen to me. As radical as it may seem. We live in a day when people think they can ignore what this book says and still be blessed. That we can thumb our nose. Well, I don't like that part of it. You know what? There's a lot of it I don't like. But I do it because of what it does for me. There's a lot about the Word of God that's not palatable to me. There are many things that God says that I shouldn't do that in my flesh I would like to do, that I would enjoy doing, that I would get pleasure out of. But I have learned not to do them because what results in that is a breach. And what results in that is a break in communication. And I don't know about you, but I've learned to value my 
communication with God more important than any other communication that I have, more important than my telephone, more important than my computer, more important than my emails, more important than any other kind of social contact. My contact with Him is more important than anything else. Amen. The blood of Jesus cannot save me from myself. And so he said to Timothy, pay attention to yourself, Timothy, because you are going to be your worst enemy. You are going to be your own worst enemy. You don't need a devil to be bad, Timothy. You can be bad just being Timothy. Amen. And Timothy and Greater Life Church, you can actually frustrate the grace of God and the goodness of God by not paying attention to yourself, by not taking heed to yourself. And so Paul said, pay attention. Pay attention. Paul admonishes a young Timothy to be all God called you to be. Be an example. Live by a higher standard. How significant the order was. Yourself and then the doctrine. I can't hear what you say for what you are. Remember that, church. Remember that. Listen to me this morning. If you want to make your life better, if you want to make your life happier, if you want your life to be sweeter, if you want your life to be blessed, then get hold of yourself. Lay hands on yourself and say, listen, boy, listen, girl, you're going to straighten up and fly right. You're going to act right. You're going to talk right. You're going to live right. You're going to do right because all that God has done will be for naught if I do not pay attention to myself. The blessed life is a matter of choice. The happy life is a matter of choice. Do yourself a favor this morning. Pay attention. Do yourself a favor this morning. Get hold of yourself. Because nobody else can. Other people have tried to stop some of us. But we're not going to be stopped. But the Holy Ghost said, get hold of yourself. You can ignore the signs. You can live any way you want to. You can do whatever you please, but you're not going to like the results because they're not going to yield what you desire the most, and that is the blessing of God. The fact is the quality of my life is sealed in this little bit of advice. This is what you have to watch in order to succeed. Pay attention. He mentioned three things in verse 12 or four things in verse 12. That we have to pay attention to. He said pay attention to your words. The words that you speak. What you believe and what you say. You have to pay attention to words. Everybody say words. That means you can't open your mouth and say whatever you want to say. Whenever you want to say it. Without there being damage or repercussion. You've got to learn how to bridle your tongue. You've got to learn how to put a rein on it. You've got to learn that some things are better left unspoken. 
Abraham Lincoln said it best. He said, I would rather remain silent and be thought a fool than to open my mouth and remove all doubt. And none of us are exempt from that weakness this morning. We all need to pay attention to our words. Everybody say, my words. My words make a difference. Come on, my words make a difference. So I need to pay attention to my words. Number two, he said you need to pay attention to your conduct or conversation. The the behavior of your life, how you act, how you interact with people is so critically important. The reason a lot of people don't like me is because I don't like them. And that's a fact. Don't, don't blame somebody else because of your own mental problems or your own mental struggle. Look at yourself and realize if I make myself friendly, then I will have friends. If I make myself available, then others will be available to me. I've had complaints from people before that said, nobody wants to hang out with me. Nobody wants to talk to me. And I said, well, who do you talk to? Uh, 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 well, well, that's not what I'm talking about. I said, the fact is, nobody talks to you because you don't talk to anybody. And nobody reaches out to you because you don't ever reach out to anybody. Do you know what I've discovered in my years of pastoring? The people that get the most offended at me as a pastor, and I get a lot of, I get, I've offended a lot of people in my time. I'm telling you, I've almost become a prof- I've almost perfected the art of offending people. I don't know how I do it, but I, but you know, the people that I've offended the most are the people that give the least and do the least for the church, but they expect the most from the church. You know what? I don't know. Maybe I'm just ignorant. Maybe I don't know any better, but I thought it wasn't about what the church could do for me, but what I could do for the church. You see, God's already been too good to me. He's already forgiven all my sins. He's already washed them all away. He's already put them behind His back. He's removed them so they can never be brought back again. If that's all that God ever did in my life, that's enough for me to serve Him the rest of my life. But you know what? That's not the end of God's blessing. Every time I get up in the morning, there's a new mercy. Every time I lay my head down to sleep at night, there's a new mercy. Every time I walk by the way, the hand of God is with me everywhere I turn God is showing himself strong in my behalf so I need to pay attention to my conduct my behavior how I act how I interact with people number three I need to pay attention to motive he talks about in charity and in spirit in faith those three things are talking about motives what motivates the impulses of your life What pushes you in life? There are two factors, love and faith. Of those two things, they are going to motivate you or they are not going to motivate you. So the question is, was what I did done in love or was what I did done in faith? You see, the reason I need to judge my actions and and my behavior by that is because love covers a multitude of sin and faith always holds out for a better answer and lays hold of the best that's in my life. So when I live my life, I have to pay attention to the motives, what pushes me, what drives me. And the trouble with too many people in our world is we are selfishly motivated because our eyes are only on 
ourselves. And somebody said amen. Amen. You not only have to pay attention to that, but number four, you have to pay attention to moral priorities. Purity of life, reputation. There should be no shade over your life. Always conscious of moral issues. If we fail and fall, this is where we fail and fall. In our moral priorities, in our motives, in our conduct, in our word. And Paul said, if you'll just pay attention. Maybe you've fallen there. I'm not here to accuse anybody. I'm not here to beat anybody down. But if you've fallen in that area, then get up and dust yourself off and repent and get back to the altar and say, God, I want to pay attention because I want my life blessed and I want my future better than my past. And somebody said, Amen. You see, it's true. You cannot tread just anywhere and expect to be blessed and enjoy the best in life. There are rules for life and rules for relationships and rules for peace. What makes life sweeter? What makes life happier? What makes life healthier? What makes life better? It's when we observe certain things, when we pay attention, when we take heed. You can go through life, and there are a lot of people that are doing it. They're going through life like a bull in a china closet. They're trampling over everything in sight. They have no boundaries in their life. They have no restriction. They have no walls. They have no protection. And so they just stomp through life. And they wonder why no flowers are blooming in their life. They wonder why their life is so drab and there's no happiness. There's no joy. The simple fact is you cannot trump and trample anywhere and everywhere in life and expect there to come out of that a blessed life. You're going to have to learn that there are boundaries and there is a rule of life that when I pay attention to myself, when I keep a handle on myself, when I get my hands on myself and I lay hold of myself, I am putting myself in a place where God can bless me and God can bless anybody that's around. In the garden of Versailles during the reign of Louis the Fourteenth, there was an old gardener. His sole desire was to make the most beautiful flower gardens and shrubs and designs that he could make for the king. But it didn't matter how hard he tried. It didn't matter how diligently he worked. It didn't matter how he labored. It didn't matter how much time he spent in the garden shaping so there were paths that they could follow. When he came back out the next day, he often found his work trampled underfoot. What pains he took in the flower beds. He mapped out to perfection and beautifully blended all of the blossoms and the flowers so that when the king came, he could enjoy the most beautiful garden and have the most pleasurable experience imaginable. But for a long time, the joy that he longed for never came. Because no matter how hard he worked, as soon as he planted the seed or set the fragile plants or placed the delicate cuttings, they were soon trampled down by the visitors who came to the palace. Carelessly, ruthlessly, they destroyed the labors of his hand. 
And the old man came to a point where he could stand it no longer. And so he dared to ask audience of the king. The king welcomed him, wanting to know what was the concern of this man of such low standing. And so when he came before the king, he began to explain the desire of his heart, the labor that he put in, and all the pain that he took. But he said, no matter how hard I work, no matter how diligent I work, no matter how how careful I am in crafting this beautiful garden, your guests have no regard for my flowers. And they have no regard for the beauty of this place. And they trample it underfoot. And so I appeal to you. I appeal to you. That you would help me know how to guide these people through this garden so they can enjoy what I'm trying to produce. And after having explained all of that to the king, the king made a proclamation And he ordered tablets, stones, to be hewn out and placed in the garden as stepping stones. And they literally became a path that led them through the the, the many paths and twists and turns so they could enjoy all of the beauty that was there and experience to the fullest what the gardener had in mind when he began Strangely as it may seem, those tablet stones were called etiquette. They became the stepping stones on which the visitors would walk so that they would not trample the flowers. And a state of order was made commanding all couriers and all visitors of the palace to walk carefully upon the stones that had been put in place. And by so doing, the flowers and the beauty were protected from the careless feet of men. What that gardener labored to do under Louis XIV, God has been trying to do from the beginning of time. He sets a stone here, and he sets a stone there, and another stone there. And he said, if you'll follow that, it will take you through life and you will enjoy life to its fullest. You'll be blessed. Your family will be blessed. Your people around you will be blessed. There will be an overflow of your life that will be contagious and people around you will be influenced by that. But listen to me. Those stones were only the request of the king. He could not make anybody live within this book. And for a long time, the church has tried to make rules and regulations to govern the lives of people. You can't do this. You can't do that. Don't go there. Don't go that. Now we live in a generation where nobody cares about rules. And we are older, but we are still affected by that mentality. And to some degree, it has affected all of us. To where now, when you talk about a rule, it's like a noose around your neck. But you see, those stones were put in place so that you could enjoy the beauty. 
so that you could enjoy the blessing, so that you could benefit from what God wanting to do. But if you want to, you can disregard this book. You can pitch it over in a corner. You can say, well, Brother Hughes, I don't believe that. I, don't, I, I just don't believe that. I don't think that's necessary. I don't think that's essential. I don't think I have to do that to be saved. And you can go tramping and tromping on through life and lose the most beautiful blessing that God could ever have put together for your life. You see, the art of life consists of keeping carefully within the ways that are marked out by God's etiquette. God's etiquette. God's stones. And many has been the man or woman who trampled without restraint on those flowers. You see, to preserve the beauty, there are boundaries that come into play. The blessed life is marked out by certain rules and regulations. The pleasures of the king and his guests were not curtailed. Listen to me. The pleasures of the king and his guests were not curtailed by those stones, but were enhanced by those stones. You see, if we would quit looking at this from that skewed perspective of do I have to and start looking at it like God wants me to, I get to, it would change a lot of things in your life. You see, the world calls me a bore. As a matter of fact, most people consider me a nuisance, an enemy to freedom. Why can't I live the way I want to live? Why can't I do what I want to do? Why can't I go anywhere I want to go? Why can't I say anything I want to say? Oh, you can. You're just not going to like the results. You're not going to like the outcome. You see, salvation comes back to me. It is an ancient heresy that came from the devil himself that said that God's boundaries steal my joys. God's boundaries have never stolen anybody's joys. They actually enhance my joy. Amen. There are far too many tramplers and trespassers in this life in which we live that are destroying the beauty of life and affecting the lives of many around them because they cannot keep off the grass. Amen. Amen. Take heed unto thyself. It may subtract from my freedom, but it will multiply my joys. You see, you don't have to trample upon anything to enjoy it. Amen. Amen. The tablets indicate the king's pleasure. This is the king's wish. Cannot make you do it. He can only show you what will happen if you do and show you what will happen if you don't. If you are of a mind, you can ignore me this morning and say, Brother Hughes, I wish you'd hurry up. It's getting late. I'm hungry. Or you would realize that a lot of the misery in your life and a lot of the misery in the people around you, you look at other people and you think, they're so unhappy. Could it ever affect? Dawn on us that maybe people around us are unhappy because our life is unhappy. 
Because what we're spilling over, take heed unto thyself. If you care about the quality of your life, does anybody care about the quality of your life? Does anybody care about the peace of your life? Amen. Does anybody care about the possessions of life? Oh, come on. Come on, folks. Okay, if y'all don't want it, just bring it, give it to me. Sign the title over this afternoon. I'll take it. All right. We all want those. We want more. But if you want to enjoy the blessings and the possessions, listen to me. If you care about the people of your life, listen to me. Do you care about the people in your life? Do you care about the people that you have influence over? Then pay attention to yourself. Take heed unto thyself and then to the doctrine. Because it doesn't matter what you believe. If your life doesn't back up what you say, it means nothing. If you care about the future of your life, then you will understand what this book is trying to do. And that's not restrict you, but enhance and bless your life and bring you to a better place. And so Paul said, Timothy, if you don't hear anything else, I'm saying, listen to me. This is the key. This is what you're going to have the biggest struggle with. This is what you're going to have the hardest battle over. Take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine. For in so doing, now in the Hebrew or the Greek, the indication there is there might have been a struggle. So Paul understood the hardest battle that any man will ever have is with himself. But if you will get hold of yourself, if you'll keep a hand on yourself, if you'll pull those reins in, if you will humble yourself, if you will submit yourself, if you will repent, if you will ask forgiveness in life, God's going to put you on a path of blessing and glory and possessions and peace that you will never be able to thank Him enough for if you'll just pay attention to yourself. Let's stand.